Welcome to episode number 47 of the Fiduciary You podcast. I've broken this one into two parts, so make sure you check both them out. You won't want to miss either one. My guest today is Bill Chetney Jr. from Viking Cove Institute. Bill's dad, Bill Chetney Sr., is one of the most well-known people in the retirement industry and arguably created the first aggregator with National Retirement Partners, or NRP, eventually selling it to LPL and ultimately created GRPAA. Now it's Bill Jr.'s turn to lead the organization forward, and today he shares his vision for what that looks like and, in part, why the organization has been rebranded as Viking Cove Institute. On the show, we cover a lot of ground around topics and the various ways Viking Cove Institute supports the independent advisor community through a combination of resources like training and education, fintech solutions and partnerships, and favorable economics with product providers to create institutional scale that Viking Cove members can leverage to compete more effectively within the marketplace. So with that introduction, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Bill Chetney Jr. from Viking Cove Institute. Bill Chetney Jr., welcome to the Fiduciary You podcast. I am uh, really excited that uh, that you're on the show today. You and I have have developed a really good friendship over the past few months, and have been talking about doing this for a while. We originally were going to get your dad to maybe be involved in it as well, but he's in the backwoods of Alaska or somewhere right now. And we said, you, you know, know what? I'm not even kidding. He's in Kathmandu right now. Going he's in to, Kathmandu. Okay, going to the Everest base. So you know. We'll see where he goes next. So, they, they, all right. Well, <laughs> we're gonna ascend our own mountains during this conversation. Of uh, so, um, and I see you have your little guitar there. We wanted to have kind of like our little matching. You probably yeah. play it better than I play it. It's more we're gonna per, we're gonna perform after, right? We'll do a <laughs> okay for two uh, for an audience of two. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a hit. <laughs> so, um, well, welcome to the show. Um, you know. It, we're going to cover a lot of ground today. I think um, what's really cool to see within the industry, and 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 you can kind of walk listeners kind of through this a bit. But um, you recently had a you know a rebrand from mm-hmm. um, GRPA to Viking Cove, the Viking Cove incident, and as you've kind of taken over, um, you know, with your colleagues of of kind of leadership and direction of of the organization. Talk a little bit about maybe a little bit about your background. Um, yeah, you know, obviously your your dad was a very well known figure within the industry yes. um, for a very very long time, which I think we'll talk about has some benefits and and there can Absolutely. also be some challenges kind of with that as well. Um, that that we'll kind of talk about. But for listeners who don't know you, why don't you give a little bit of background of kind of about yourself and how you how you got here and and about the organization uh, and the, the the value that you guys provide to um, to advisors yeah absolutely um, so I think the beginning of my career in finance and particularly with retirement um, I actually interned at uh, LPL Linsco private ledger um, and really I I came up there with some phenomenal people I know Rebecca Auerhan was uh, there at the time, Emily White, Christine Nakashima, um, uh, Ted Hageman, uh, Ashley Witt. Just really, really cool people uh, who knew a lot. I enjoyed that. From there, um, I went to a money manager. I went to American Century out in Kansas City. So I packed everything in my little Scion, took the 70 all the way to Kansas City. Uh, I worked there on a direct desk. You know, got my Series 6, my 63, 
and really from my background, cause I've always gone to conferences and like summits back in the NRP days. Um, I always wanted to do retirement. So, uh, I worked to get to the BRS desk there, business retirement solutions. And I had like all the pamphlets around me, how to transfer this to that. And you know, what's permissible with all the rules and plan documents. And, uh, from there, um, I was hired to the DCIO team at Putnam in Boston. So I packed everything in my car, went out to uh, Boston and had an amazing time there. They're a mm -hmm. phenomenal team, uh, but really deep down, like I always wanted to go back and be a part of the story that my dad and the whole NRP team created back in 2001. So it's a long story. And I think that's a, a perfect segue, really the whole goal and what my, my dad started um, back in 2001 was to create the first aggregator, right? Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be a member firm, a broker dealer and an RAA all enclosed. And it was to help the independent retirement focused advisor gain an edge against your wirehouses, right? You want to compete against Mother Merrill and all the retirement advisors, to my knowledge, were, you know, because I was a kid back then, um, but the retirement advisors back then were kind of doing their own thing in a little corner office. And then all of a sudden they were on a, on a pedestal, very visible, you know, uh, being purchased for multiples, which we're seeing again now. And we brought the best and brightest and most successful practices together. And when you do that, you get a lot of great ideas and then you bring the up market down market. Mm -hmm. you, everything that was out there with the Mercers was being built and brought down and empowered to advisors. And then really from there, for those that don't know the story, you know, uh, NRP sold to LPL. And then from there, and this goes to the rebrand from there, it uh, spun out. Uh, so GRP F and GRPAA spun out into a super OSJ, right? There's a number of super OSJs that do compliance for their own, you know, teams. And then there's the broker dealer affiliation. Um, but I think the unique thing about GRP Advisor Alliance, which is now Viking Cove Institute is, you know, when I really tried to distill down our core tenants, I think it really helps people understand why it's important for us to remain you know, an, an independent um, entity. Our three core tenants are this. One, we're broker-dealer REA agnostic. We don't care if you're with a bank, with a broker-dealer, um, you know, you could be with an aggregator. We really could care less. What we do care about is, are you successful, right? Do you have the qualifications to be a part of this? Are you kind? And, you know, are you doing the right things for um, your clients and their participants? Two, or entrepreneurial, right? You would be hard pressed to find anybody more nimble than us. Um, I know my dad is a self-described uh, riverboat gambler at times, and you know, but you have to try stuff. You have yeah. to, you have to try to innovate. And when you become large and mature, and uh, you know, more laden down with employees and bump lines and overhead and all that stuff, right? You can't really um, do science, right? Try stuff. So we're very entrepreneurial. So we're always trying things with our partners and our advisors. And a lot of times you have success. Um, and then third, we're a force for positive change. So uh, 
recently we have allocated a portion of our budget to advisors charities of choice which you saw in our february summit and then uh, we are also gearing out to contribute to uh, the ara um you know it's, it's beautiful alignment it's a wonderful organization and you know we want to make sure that we're supporting the industry as a whole in that way so you know I, I think that rebrand, why we went to Viking Cove Institute, that was to remain that entity where people from all over could come together, share best practices. And then from there, you know, we, we host we host summits where that, that sharing can happen and webinars and things like that. And then we build stuff, products and services and um, and then value adds as well. So Hopefully that's helpful. Um, yeah. I kind of strung some stuff together there. Yeah, I, you know, I really see Viking Cove in a lot of ways as, and, and like you said, you've got larger firms that are members of, you know, the Alliance for a better word or for, you know, if you will. But I really see Viking Cove in a lot of ways as a way to give those you know, there's so much M&A that's going on out mm-hmm. there. And and you hear so often, and, and I heard this back when I started at Morgan Stanley 20 years ago, is that, you know, only the only the big firms are going to survive. Like, that's it. If you're a smaller firm, like you're, you're you know, um, you know, the end is nigh. And there's a great <laughs> quote attributed to Mark Twain. He said, you know, rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Um, I personally think actually independent RIAs, I think, um, are going to have a, a, I think there's a golden age over the next five to 10 years. Like certainly large firms are going to be successful, but I think there's still tremendous opportunity for independent firms and smaller RIAs, uh, if they're smart and they're nimble, that they're going to be able not just to, to survive, but I think thrive. Yes. But you know, there's a saying that if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. And I really see Viking Cove and what you guys have done as a way to bring resources and solutions and product and technology and all these different things to help those small firms. In a lot of ways, your roots going back to the NRP days of giving smaller firms the type of institutional edge that that larger firms have. And the one point you made, which I think is so good, uh, and I know it's, it's you know, the way I approach things. Um, we always like, you know, agree with people who think the same way we do, but this idea of being nimble, bigger in a lot of cases, you become burdened, you become heavy laden. Um, the ability to remain nimble and the ability to run things like a science experiment, right? Have a hypothesis try things, not being afraid to fail. Too many, too often people are afraid and advisors are afraid to try new things and they're afraid that they're going to fail. But you actually, the way you succeed is through failure. Yeah, You just want to make sure that you fail fast and that you fail forward and Mm -hmm. that you iterate. Like you try something new. It may work, it may not. If it doesn't, take those learnings and apply that the next go around. And I think smaller independent firms are going to have to use their nimbleness as, as, a, as a weapon, not as a worry mm-hmm. uh, to continue to succeed. And the resources you bring can really 
help, I think, advisors play, especially those independent firms, play at a, at a higher level and punch above their weight. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I, I, I do agree. And I think it's important for those who maybe are in a wirehouse or like, um, you know, for those that feel like, oh, I can't go. Let's not forget, there is an amazing marketplace for retirement. Like there are trillions and trillions and trillions mm -hmm. of dollars out there. Um, and what we're seeing now, even with um, the new Secure 2.0 provisions and state mandates, there's going to be another two to eight trillion dollars that's mm -hmm. going to be injected, right? Yeah. There's 8.5, 8.9 trillion right now in uh, defined contribution. It's going to double in the small plan space. There's lots of money out there. So like there's there's plenty of opportunity for people to build a great book of business and service it. And I think an important thing though is, you know, we're, we jokingly call uh, ourselves cat herders sometimes, right? Because right. everybody's right. going all over the place. Everybody's right. doing their own thing. And that's an important piece of psychology to remember. Like we don't, we don't expect everybody to march, but what we do expect is that we're able to aggregate their assets under management, number of participants, number of plans, and we're able to go out to the marketplace, lever it, and then create favorable economics for uh, those people. If they choose to go with a uh, product or service, great. But that that is a fundamental thing that people need to realize when working with, you know, independence is they're, they're not going to use your stuff all the time, right? Sometimes yeah. they might not need it, um, you know, or they're, they're too busy, but a lot of times they do use it. So it's, it is a very unique segment, right? Cause you have a wirehouse that where everybody's marching and it's this enclosed system, your, your mother Merrill. Um, but I, I agree. Like you go the transition from commissionable to a flat fee, right? You can just, you know, set up an RIA, you know, charge your fees and you, you can start growing. And I, I think there is a, a sea change happening right now where we're going to have these smaller shops everywhere. So uh, yeah. I agree with yeah. you on that. And, and so talk a little bit about kind of Viking Cove in terms of, um, you know, you, you talked about what I, I, I like core values, mm -hmm. uh, what you believe uh, and how that's weaved through kind of your DNA and whatnot. But talk a little bit about um, the resources that you guys provide, because you've you've um, you know, you've you've struck a lot of partnerships. We've created a partnership rather recently um, as well. But you have partnerships um, and that that seems to be the 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 way you kind of go to market. Obviously there's events and bringing people together and thought leadership. And yeah. I was a couple of months ago out in San Diego, there was an, a, a really good event that you guys did out there where you kind of, you know, bring advisors and thought leaders together, kind of a, a conference, if you will. Um, but you guys have done a lot in terms of partnership and due diligence and kind of finding best of breed solutions as I would. Yeah. Yeah. And together we go far, right? To your quote, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so that was a big theme that we explored was growth through partnerships. We can't, we can't build everything, right? So uh, a few examples that come to mind, 
you know, talking about commissionable business to uh, a flat fee business and the commoditization we're seeing in the industry as a whole, right? Mm. Uh, from your manufacturers, your record keepers, money managers to, you know, the fees that an advisor can command. When we saw fee compression happening, we were trying to think, how can we help an independent retirement focused advisor deepen value and, you know, create additional revenue sources? So we looked out to fintech as a new growth segment, right? And you can look at fintech in two ways. One, it's a thing that solves a problem, right? Or it is a practice management feature that will allow you to efficiently scale. It's a really important difference. Yeah. And so we have two uh, segments in that way. Uh, for example, with uh, Fiduciary RX, right? Really proud to partner with you. And what we were impressed by is the fact that you know, it, it's only, I always use a bowling analogy, but you're able to put the bumpers up and you're able to measure your service to a plan qualitatively, make sure that you're fulfilling all of your fiduciary obligations, and then take that reporting to your clients and deepen value. That's, that's just great, right? Now let's go to uh, another portion, uh, student debt repayment. Right. So we were watching student debt repayment uh, since the IRS public letter ruling uh, that was saying, hey, just hold off. Not sure if you're going to get the deduction for, you know, the matching uh, of student debt. Let's wait for Secure 2.0. And, you know, we we made a bet. We thought that Secure would pass and that employers would be able to enjoy that already budgeted deduction to the match of, um, of student debt. So we partnered with a uh, student debt repayment program, and then we built in economics to where an advisor is gonna be able to offer that solution to a company, and then be able to either pass along a discount, take in revenue, or a combination of both. Um, and we have a catalog of different uh, services that follow those types of themes you know, whether it's uh, 529s or whether it's uh, capturing, you know, uh, plans in the small market. Um, and it's it's just a Rolodex for people to look through and, and make sure that they have something to talk about um, and some value to add. So those are a few examples that um, that are helpful from some of the stuff that we sell. Right. And so who, who are some of those partners that you guys have have? aligned with? Because there's there's a due diligence process that you guys have gone through to, you know, um, I mean, I, I went through it with you, right? So yep. this isn't, this, 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 I, I would describe it like, you know, um, you don't marry everybody. Like there's a dating process you, yeah. you, you want people to go through. Um, but but yeah. who are some of the partners that you guys have aligned with? I would, yes, absolutely. Thank you for, uh, so Candidly, is our student debt repayment solution. Um, we did a due diligence with them, goodness me, three years ago. Um, weighed them out to the marketplace. We liked them from a price perspective. Um, we were able to create a great deal uh, with them. They had a really cool modulized platform where you could address different features. Um, they could obviously administer to the match. So. You know, and I, I think too, they, they've done a great job in the broad marketplace because they've won with Vanguard, Empower, and Lincoln. So I think we picked a really good pony there. 
And that's another thing I, for anybody listening is whenever you talk to a fintech, think to yourself, could a record keeper internalize this, right? And survey, you know, those mm -hmm. providers, you know, do you offer this? Um, I know a lot of veterans are going, I know, but um, it was very interesting to see that theme get absorbed pretty quickly. Uh, you know, we work with Savify, which is a 529 payment solution. You know, that's a lot of work for, you know, very little credit. Um, and they allow people to have a very proactive uh, way to save for college. Um, PTO Genius is another great one. This one I almost didn't go for. Some other team members did it. I didn't see the connection to retirement, but it is as we bring all these silos together and uh, the benefits package all consolidating, which goes to M&A, um, you know, PTO management, it's the bane of HR's existence. So PTO forecasting and then accrued PTO is a liability. So being able to convert it into things like uh, cash or 401k savings, um, you know, um, uh, EvoShare was another, we did a, that was a credit card cash back program. Uh, we had a number of very, um, prominent figures come to us with EvoShare and um, that was really innovative, right? So we worked with them. And then uh, Bidmani is a, a really big one that, that we're excited about because it's new tech, right? This is something I wanna talk about with um, just how mature our industry is and why maybe we're not seeing some innovations. Mm. It's because like, like my brother-in-law is a, is a programmer and this language that everything is built on is old, right? So to have a platform that is completely end-to-end -end new technology that feeds to all the new PA APIs and like information that's out there, it's powerful. So, you know, I tip my hat to you on that as well, because when you create something from scratch, you are geared out rather than like, you know, rather than like an old house that's leaky yeah. and there's cracks and all this other stuff. It's like, oh, I got to fix this. I got to fix that. You know, in some cases, it's easier to just demolish your house and build a new one from a price perspective. But older, mature companies that are built on that architecture struggle um, because they have deliverables, right? You can't just do that. So that's where I think maybe during your golden age, um, these new these new tech companies are, are going to have a really good position. So hopefully I didn't miss anybody. I'm really sorry if I did and I'll, uh, uh, I'll post it on LinkedIn. Our friend Liz, I don't know if you want to talk oh a little my bit God. about financial finance. Oh, Liz, 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 um, Liz was on the podcast for the second time where recently we talked about the cool stuff they're doing. You know, financial finesse was one of our very, um, one of our very first partners. I know that she met, my dad uh, at LPL way back in the day, and they developed a really phenomenal relationship. Um, and Financial Finesse is a wellness company. Um, they were the first to do it. They started, uh, Liz actually founded Financial Finesse in 1999. She's, the OG. she's the OG. She's OG. And she's, she's, a real credit to her is she is there for the, uh, participant for the person, right? She doesn't monetize people. Um, she's solely there to provide outcomes for participants. And there are a lot of market forces that come in and say, Hey, you should do this, or you should do that. You know, let us 
jam product that she's really created this beautiful garden of Eden that provides something that um, is totally geared towards the uh, benefit of, of the participant. And that's why she's been in business since 1999. So, oh my gosh, Josh, thank you so much for mentioning financial. You're welcome. You're they welcome. are um, I love, I, great, I, I, a great partner. Yeah. I love, I, I love Liz. Um, she's great. And, and like I said, she was, recently on the show for the second time and and um her and i got a chance to reconnect out at the conference um uh that you guys hosted um and and you're you know you're aligning yourself with with other really good thought leaders i had a chance to um uh reconnect with bonnie trichel out oh, there. Yeah. and uh her and i are starting to do some stuff together and and uh jason roberts was out there and and uh just just um, Pete Swisher was another, Pete you know, Swisher. yeah, exactly. And Pete, Lord I had Taylor, a Kennedy, yeah, smart Pete, people, you know, Pete, I, I have to be smart. I just, you know, bring all the smart people together and uh, people. you make a beautiful thing out of it. Um, but no, they, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's part of the thing is, um, when I joined up here and, you know, going back to 2001, like there's so many, there's so much talent and so yeah. many smart folks. So what we want to do and keep doing is bringing them together, you know? Right. Thanks for listening to part one of my conversation with Bill Chetney Jr. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to listen to part two as we continue our conversation.